Welcome back to Propaganda Watch, ladies and gentlemen. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And this week on The D Program, I want to start out with an observation that will not be particularly surprising or shocking to regular viewers of The Corbett Report, namely that the official government numbers about really anything should not be taken at face value and without question. And of course, that general principle applies even more strongly to the numbers that are being reported on this great pandemic hype of 2020, the coronavirus pandemic that we are being told is sweeping the globe. And we are being told a lot of numbers surrounding this. So many tens of thousands of people have been infected. So many hundreds or thousands have died. Uh, but the numbers, of course, constantly changing and coming from different countries that are all using their own different ways of calculating who is infected and how they are testing and whether they are in testing and in what cases they are testing. Of course, it is a piecemeal operation and not even the normiest of normies, the people who swallow every government pr propaganda pronouncement as holy grail from heaven, would actually argue, if they really sat down and thought about it, that however many cases are being reported today, so many tens of thousands down to the exact number, 213 or whatever, is exactly how many people have been infected in the world. No, of course, we all understand this is at best some sort of estimate and, of course, is not accurately reflecting reality. But the real question is, are we even close? And is it being vastly overreported, vastly underreported, perhaps a mixture in different countries? Well, let's roll up our sleeves and dig into this because there are real answers to be had here. And they start, as always, by asking appropriate questions like, how is novel coronavirus COVID-19 being diagnosed? And as I say, that varies from country to country, although there are World Health Organization guidelines that have been issued as to how these uh, cases should be diagnosed or tested, but it's not always being followed, as we'll see. But let's, let's look at the prime example of this. Still, the largest number of infections that have occurred in any country so far have been in China, or at least the largest numbers that are being reported by corrupt governments that have all sorts of vested interests is coming from China. So the real question then, okay, how has China decided to test and count their infection rates? And that is an interesting question because the answer has changed over time, uh, which you may have noticed uh, if you were following the numbers. You would have seen on February 12th, 2020, that China was reporting, I believe, 44,000 or so infections from coronavirus. And the next day, they were reporting 59,000, a jump of 15,000 new cases overnight. Incredible. It's going exponential. It's the, here it is, guys. No, as everyone was at pains to point out when this spike happened, even the MSM, this wasn't because 15,000 new people suddenly fell ill with the disease overnight. It was because China had simply changed the way they tested uh, for and clinically diagnosed cases of COVID-19. And so we can, as I say, get the story on this change in methodology from any number of places. For example, Business Insider. China is diagnosing coronavirus patients by looking for ground glass, not literally, in their lungs. Take a look at the CT scans. Thank you, clickbait article headline. Uh, authorities, authorities in China's Hubei province reported a dramatic spike in coronavirus cases on Thursday. 14,840 new cases. It was the most cases reported in a single day since the outbreak began in December. The Hubei Health Commission also reported that an additional 242 people had died. But the virus didn't suddenly become more aggressive. Instead, 
Hubei officials said they changed the way they count cases. Rather than relying only on blood tests, which are in limited supply and can take days to yield results, officials have started including diagnoses made via CT scans in their daily case totals. The scans are considered less thorough than a blood test, you don't say, but the New York Times reported last week that doctors in Wuhan, where the virus originated, are running short on test kits. Patients diagnosed via CT scan, what Chinese officials call clinically diagnosed cases, present symptoms of the virus in their lungs, but either haven't been lab tested or died before the test could be administered. So think about what this is saying. Step back for a moment. And now it isn't even a blood test. They're not looking for nucleic acids. There's no actual identification of a virus of any sort going on. They are looking at CT scans of lungs to identify what they call telltale symptoms of this particular COVID-19 infection. Well, what are those symptoms and how accurate a diagnosis is this anyway? Well, as this article goes on, it presents the, uh, the example of how normal lungs appear in a CT scan and then what this COVID-19 infected lung looks like. And it notes what it constantly refers to in this article as uh, patches, white patches in the CT scans that have ground glass opacity, which again, they're not talking about literal ground glass. They're just talking about what it looks like in the images. And they, they consult Paris Lacani, a radiologist at Thomas Jefferson University, about this. And he said, it kind of looks like faint glass that has been ground up. What it represents is fluid in the lung spaces. Fluid in the lung spaces is what is being seen in these CT scans. But this is definitely COVID-19. Wait, hold on just a second. As Lacani notes... He says, ground glass isn't particularly helpful for identifying a coronavirus. You can see it with all types of infections, bacterial, viral, or sometimes even non-infectious causes. Even vaping could sometimes appear this way. But, he adds, the patches are significant when they extend to the edges of the patient's lung. That's something we don't often see. We see that with severe acute respiratory syndrome, and we saw that with Middle East respiratory syndrome, SARS and MERS, different types of coronavirus infections. So there you go. I mean, uh, when it extends to the lungs, that's a telltale sign? Well, again, there are many different possible causes of these white patches. So I am not a medical diagnostician. <laughs> I am not uh, qualified to say, but I am a layman with questions about the validity of this form of diagnosis. And as it goes on to note in this article that they are apparently basing their baseline of what these infected lungs look like in the CT scans on researchers who analyzed scans from patients at the Zhongnan Hospital of Wuhan University, the majority of whom were older men with pre-existing health problems. And it shows images uh, from a 52-year-old patient, a 52-year-old with presumably pre-existing conditions. So again, is that the baseline of what we should be looking at? This is what coronavirus, this is how we identify it when an older person with pre-existing problems presents with some with pneumonia and vague flu-like symptoms. Then we take this CT scan and if it if we see the white patches, then clinically diagnosed. Again, there's, I think, a lot of room for skepticism about how accurate all of this diagn diagnosis is, especially considering, yes, they are not directly testing at all for the presence of a virus. I mean, th that's right in your face there. So 
right there, I would say we are justified in being highly quizzical about the numbers that are being reported, even if we could trust that the Chinese government was reporting the numbers accurately anyway that come back from these tests. And obviously there is reason for a lot of skepticism on that point. And of course, again, this is not simply a Chinese phenomenon. As ProPublica has reported uh, in recent days, and ProPublica basically being uh, a little step outside of the mainstream window, but still definitely in the mainstream conversation. They are not conspiracy theorists, so they will never actually delve too deeply into any of these issues. And that's why they have framed their report, for example, in this way. Key missteps at the CDC have set back its ability to detect the potential spread of coronavirus. And they're talking about how uh, the U.S. Centers for Disease Creation and Propaganda lost valuable weeks that could have been used to track its possible spread in the United States because it insisted upon devising its own test. It, it shunned the World Health Organization test guidelines used by other countries and set out to create a more complicated test of its own that could identify a range of similar viruses. But it notes that the CDC test correctly identified COVID-19, the disease caused by the virus. Don't worry, guys. They totally correctly got that. But in all but a handful of state labs, it falsely flagged, falsely flagged, false flag, the presence of the other viruses in harmless samples. So it does have false positives for other coronaviruses, presumably SARS and MERS and whatever else they include in this test. But don't worry, guys, COVID-19, it 100% gets that. It's totally reliable for that, right? Right? And are they applying this test? And to whom? And under what circumstances? Again, lots of questions are being raised about that point and uh, the way, for example, that the, the cruise passengers who had been basically locked in there to infect each other had been handled by workers when they arrived back in the US. Of course, you've seen all these types of headlines. But again, the general point is, how far can you trust any of these numbers that are being thrown around? And the answer, presume, uh, presumably, is not as far as you can throw them. There is, uh, there is any number of different ways that these numbers could be manipulated quite uh, easily. And that, of course, is problematic because, naturally enough, yes, coronavirus infection numbers and deaths and all of these, these numbers are exceptionally politically and economically important. Every nation state has some vested interest in this, let alone, as I've often talked about, the real ruling power structure isn't based on nation states. It is based on transnational actors who have allegiances to ideologies rather than they have allegiances to this or that particular country or geographical area. So the real ruling power structure has its own uh, benefits and, and, and drawbacks from this type of pandemic hype and pumping this pandemic hype. And I've talked about that quite specifically in my most recent newsletter that I hope you will read, Coronavirus, The Cures Will Be Worse Than the Disease, where I talk about how this type of hype and panic ticks every New World Order agenda uh, wish list item that there is. And I go through that in explicit detail in that editorial. It's an extremely important one. I hope you'll uh, check it out and spread that around. But uh, let's look at this from the nation-state perspective. Of course, any nation uh, in the world at this point has a vested interest in certainly downplaying its own numbers, at least from the nation-state perspective. We don't want, you know, we're, we've got everything under control. But of course, all of the political enemies of that nation-state, or really any other nation-state, well, yeah, they are underreporting their numbers. Look, they have more infections because, of course, this is uh, economic warfare that's happening uh, as well, um, and that. That is quite explicit 
when you look at a story like this one, uh, sources from many different places, but let's take it from Times of India, U.S. spy agencies monitor coronavirus spread, concerns about India. Um, and of course, as the report goes on to say, it's not just about India, but this is in Times of India, so what do you expect the headline to be? Uh, U.S. intelligence agencies are monitoring the global spread of coronavirus and the ability of governments to respond, sources familiar with the matter said on Thursday, warning that there were concerns about how India would cope with a widespread outbreak. While there are only a few known cases in India, one source said the country's available countermeasures on the potential for the virus to spread, given India's dense population, was a focus of serious concern. U.S. intelligence agencies are also focusing on... Any guess? Yeah, that's right. Iran, where the country's deputy health minister has fallen ill during a worsening outbreak. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, we learned how to lie and steal or whatever that quote is, said on Tuesday the United States was deeply concerned Tehran may have covered up uh, details about the spread of coronavirus. A U.S. government source said Iran's response was considered ineffective because the government only has minimal capabilities to respond to the outbreak. Another source said U.S. agencies were also concerned about the weak ability of governments in some developing countries to respond to an outbreak. So, essentially, yeah, don't worry, guys. NSA, CIA, FBI, whatever. Intelligence agencies are on the trail and they're hunting down infections in other countries to show how they are underreporting numbers. Basically, look, look at what Iran's doing. They're the ones behind this, which will be a precipitating event in some economic collapse that they, they can then blame on coronavirus. See, it was coronavirus that, I mean, the markets were perfectly fine until this hit, guys. And uh, there are any number of different reasons why various national governments, which, as I say, are not the top of the ruling pyramid uh, power structure, but national governments would have for downplaying infection numbers. One example from right here where I'm sitting in Japan uh, if you haven't seen uh, drastic measures, Japan is taking such drastic measures, shutting down schools for a month. But what is that really uh, accomplishing and what is it really covering up? A point raised in, amongst other places, the Asia Times that uh, says Abe critics think school closing meant to distract. And it points out that essentially uh, the Nikon Gendai and other sources here are reporting a cover-up of potentially 5,000 people with coronavirus in Japan, um, specifically because, of course, Japan is preparing for Tokyo 2020, the Summer Olympics, which the, the Japanese government has been preparing, for, been preparing for for years. And I have always said that if and when they are ever forced to report anything, any, any bad news about Fukushima, hey guys, actually it's a bit worse than we thought. I've always said guaranteed it will be after the Olympics have come and gone, everyone has packed up and gone home, then they might be forced to admit some, oh, well actually Fukushima is a bit worse. Uh, because of course, nothing is going to spoil these games. They are preparing for them. Well, what if coronavirus causes the games to be cancelled? It is a possibility at any rate at this point, and Obviously, Japan does not want that to happen. Obviously, there is a vested interest in underreporting numbers. But I don't want this simply, I don't want the message of today simply to be, look, guys, they're vastly underreporting the numbers. It's much worse than we thought. Because, as I say, the ruling power structure, the real ruling power structure, has a lot to gain from the spread of hype and panic around this, and thus for inflating the numbers. But how could the numbers possibly be inflated? Well, we've already seen, for example, anyone with pneumonia and these ground glass patches in their lungs, at least in China, are being clinically diagnosed, quote unquote, as being victims of COVID-19, despite the fact that not a single test has been performed for the presence of the virus in their system. 
why is that significant? Precisely because we have precedent for exactly how this type of panic and pan pandemic panic can spread based on phony reporting of phony numbers without actual tests. And I say that because we have this exact example that came out during the swine flu crisis of 2009. I'm sure you remember that. If not, go back and check the Corbett Report archives for my coverage of it at the time, where I talked about that pandemic non-event and the incredible amount of hype that was generated around it, which helped move the goalpost a little bit further down the football field towards medical martial law and the implementation of the Model State Health Emergency Preparedness Act uh, around the United States and, of course, many other countries joining on board. And, of course, the uh, the activation of the public health emergency by the World Health Organization, which, when they flipped that switch, activated billions of dollars in automatic contracts for uh, pharmaceutical companies. And, oh, the board members just happened to be sitting on the board of the WHO that decided it was a pandemic emergency. Funny how that works. But beyond that, uh, th this is a, a detail about the swine flu of 2009 that m probably most people didn't even see at the time. But it was reported, and reported in the MSM, briefly, although they did not expand on it. No follow-ups. The reporter was actively contained from, uh, from reporting any more on this. But it, was, it did slip through the gatekeepers for one moment. Uh, CBS News, back in October of 2009, reported, Swine flu cases overestimated? Question mark. If you've been diagnosed probable or presumed 2009 H1N1 or swine flu in recent months, you may be surprised to know this. Odds are you didn't have the H1N1 flu. In fact, you probably didn't have flu at all. That's according to state-by-state -state test results obtained in a three-month-long CBS News investigation. The ramifications of this finding are important. According to the Center for Disease Creation and Propaganda and Britain's National Health Service, once you have H1N1 flu, you're immune from future outbreaks of the same virus. Those who think they've had H1N1 flu but haven't might mistakenly presume they're immune. As a result, they might skip taking a vaccine that could help them. Blah, blah, blah. Of course, they've got to throw that stuff in there. But it does go on to say in specific detail, in late July, the CDC abruptly advised states to stop testing for H1N1 flu and stopped counting individual cases. The rationale given for the CDC guidance to forego testing and tracking individual cases was, why waste resources testing for H1N1 flu when the government has already confirmed there's an epidemic? <laughs> What is Circular Reasoning 101? Some public health officials privately disagreed with the decision to stop testing and counting, telling CBS News that continued tracking of this new and possibly changing virus was important because H1N1 has a different epidemiology, affects younger people more than seasonal flu, and has been shown to have a higher case fatality rate than other flu virus strains. CBS News learned that the decision to stop counting H1N1 flu cases was made so hastily that the states weren't given the opportunity to provide input. And it goes on uh, to talk about this decision and the ultimate effects of it uh, are, or were, uh, essentially that vast numbers, the, the millions of people that ultimately were said to have been diagnosed or, or, or were said to have probably had H1N1, probably didn't. That is the ultimate takeaway from this. And as I say, there's some, some actual reporting going on here from Cheryl Atkinson, who was reporting this for CBS News at the time. And that name should ring a bell because uh, we have covered uh, her new program uh, on uh, or that 
is syndicated, but uh, is essentially an online phenomenon at this point, uh, on New World Next Week, talking about some interesting vaccination information that was provided by that program. Uh, also, Cheryl Atkinson may be familiar to people who are following the Fast and Furious gun walking scandal under the Obama administration, and specifically DOJ Eric Holder, and uh, her reporting on Benghazi. Uh, again, things that were going against the tide of the mainstream. And lo and behold, you may also remember Cheryl Atkinson because she was the reporter who, at least uh, in court, claimed that her uh, computer was hacked and compromised during her Fast and Furious investigation and some of her materials started to get mysteriously deleted, etc. So uh, she was messed with and basically forced out of the uh, uh, the mainstream respectable news profession. Uh, she was the one that was reporting this, and she said, her editor said, this 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 take on the swine flu is the most original reporting we've had on the swine flu. This isn't interesting. But it got quashed ultimately, and they wouldn't follow up with it. They didn't put it on the TV news. It got uh, a little bit of online play, and then disappeared into the ether. So you may not know that, yes, the big swine flu hype of 2009, vastly overestimated, vastly over estimated. Why would they overestimate the number of infections? Oh, precisely to drum up support for an agenda. And again, if you do not know why there would be support for a pandemic agenda at this point, go and read my editorial. I lay it out there. There are many reasons why a pandemic hype will be beneficial to the ruling power structure. Not necessarily any individual given nation state, as if the nation nation state leaders are the ones pulling the strings. Um, but there are a number of groups, powerful and very well-funded groups, that stand to benefit from the declaration of some sort of brand new pandemic emergency that will require all sorts of brand new measures to crack down on people who would dare escape the government-mandated quarantines, etc. Uh, it's about normalization of an entirely new way of life. It's also about the economic effects of this, which, again, we're not even beginning to see the thin edge of the wedge um, on that front either. So I'm sure this is something that we will be returning to uh, many times in the future. But I wanted to lay this out. I'm not, I'm not even making any claims today about inflated or underreported or whatever. At least we can all agree that the official numbers of cases that are being reported right now is not the actual number of cases. Whether that number, actual number is zero, as some people think, or bajillions, as other people think, I'll leave you to decide for yourself. Please go and uh, look at the resources that I'm providing in the show notes for this. Of course, all of the articles that we've looked at uh, will be linked up, and there will be a lot of resources there, especially in my editorial, with dozens and dozens of links to other sources on this phenomenon. So, again, there's a lot more to be said by about this, but let's just... Let's just all agree there are lies, damned lies, and coronavirus infection numbers. That's going to do it for this week. James Corbett, CorbettReport.com.